CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates here in the West End of Richmond, where hopefully the storms have, have lifted here on Wednesday, September the 28th. We're going to get uh, into Virginia's sometimes dominating, sometimes uh, worrying, sometimes uh, impressive uh, matchup against Central Michigan last week. I, I, I think I'll speak for just at least myself and say I did not expect him to score 49 points. Uh, we will get into how that all came to be and what we think that means for the team as they go forward, and certainly we'll talk about Saturday's matchup uh, against Duke. Uh, Cavs Corner will be in attendance, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Um, so it should be a good one, uh, an interesting game for a number of reasons, which we'll get into. Let's go around and introduce everybody out in Fishersville. David Spence, welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> David Spence, who Dave's on the board, at who Dave's on Twitter. You tried not to say my name funny. And up in Arlington, Justin Ferber is also back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Yes, sir. Well, what's up, guys? Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. <laughs> and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so, all right. On a scale of like 1 to 10, how if, if I had told you prior to kickoff, Virginia's going to score 49 points, going to be up 28, and then be up again 21 after they lose that 28-point lead. Would you have would you have asked us asked me if I had been drinking and or taking illicit uh, drugs? Would, like how unexpected to you guys was Saturday? Did you did did you have any indication? Any even in the like most wildest dreams? Did you think that Virginia offensively could do what they did? Let's start with Dave because he he tends to be the one who talks himself into some craziness some days. What what did you did you have any idea? Did you have any feel like? Were you having an out-of-body experience when they were up 28 to nothing? I mean, I think I predicted Virginia to score close to 40, but yeah, um, the of course, man. I mean, it, it wasn't the fact that they scored 49 in the game. It was how quick they scored 28 that blew me away. I mean... Now, you definitely had UVA yeah. winning this uh, 26-24, okay? Uh, preseason, I had it like 41. <laughs> preseason, you had it 41-20. Yeah, see, I should have listened to that, that dude. Um because he's been right so often. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what scale of 1 to 10, 9.5. I mean, just because of what we've seen the weeks before. What about you, Ferber? How, I mean, I, I was sitting next to you, so I real, I, we talked a lot about this as it was kind of unfolding. But had I told you that morning that Virginia was going to score 49 points on the day, you would have called me crazy, right? Like, that was, that, was, that was pretty unexpected to you, right? Yeah, I think I said on the podcast last week that I thought they could score. But when I said that, I kind of meant, like, high 20s, 30s. Um, you know, and that's if they played really well. So, yeah, obviously I didn't expect them to uh, score 49. I guess a lot of that went into just how efficient they were at finishing drives. Obviously they had some some big plays too for touchdowns, but um, when they got down there, they scored touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's the thing too is that I saw the stat that Dave Kane had that apparently since the Smoke Mizell fumble against Richmond, Virginia has scored a touchdown on 12 of the 14 red zone attempts that it's had since then. Um, which I kind of blew me away. But you're right. I think the fact that they were they were able to get chunk plays, they were able to score touchdowns in the red zone. Um, you know, it's funny because like you, you, I said this on radio today, like you have or yesterday, you, you, they scored 49 points, and you know there were a number of plays in the middle of the game, right, middle of the uh, second quarter till you know what midway through the third when they left a lot of plays on the field. And you just have to think, like, yeah, granted, like, when you pop an 82-yarder or, you know, smoke, uh, what was it, 53, 
Like, when you have big plays like that, you're probably not going to have had sustained drives, what have you. But, like, there were a lot of times that Virginia was in position and, and didn't do anything offensively in that in the kind of middle third of the game, let's say. Um, there was actually, like, 30 minutes between touchdowns for Virginia. Which is just crazy. They scored 49 points and had 30 minutes between touchdowns. I, I, I mean, I just think that that's, it, it, it kind of, it, like, as an aside, it's kind of the most Virginia thing ever, right? To, to score, like, hot knife through butter at 28 nothing. you're like, holy crap. Like, I was sitting there, and Ferber, Ferber can attest to this. I mean, I'm sitting there, man, I run a message board. The team's going to get their first win. Man, it's going to be a good week, you know? And then and then Central Michigan scored. And I'm like, okay, you know, 28-7, you know, whatever. But the offense is cooking. The offense stopped cooking. Pick six right before the half. Um, or excuse me, no, no, then they had the long touchdown right before the half. And I'm like, all right, this is this is Okay. Like still twenty fourteen, it's all good, and then they just keep chipping, and then they get that pick six, and you're like, uh huh, you knew it, you knew what was next, you know what I mean? You knew they were gonna tie that thing up, and then for them to come back, I just, it's just kind of ast- astonishing to me, honestly. Like, it's the plays as I as I I'm still working my way through the replay. It's funny how I don't have to watch their game again um, when they <laughs> when they win, when they lose, I'm like the day the next morning, I, I'm still um, you know working my way through the the replay, but like as you're watching it, you can see like. Like some of those passes, like the the Zacchaeus, the first Zacchaeus touchdown. I mean, that dude was wide open like a seven eleven on a Tuesday. Um, and I'm starting to wonder, and I'm not trying to to poo poo the whole thing here, but I'm starting to wonder if some of what you saw success Virginia success can be chalked up to just Central Michigan having some really bad injuries. Um, their safety didn't play. They lose arguably their best wide receiver uh, and an offensive lineman. And I think another wide receiver, too, Cooper, um, it's various points in the game. Um, and I wonder, let me ask it like, let me ask it as a question. Do you put any stock into the idea that Virginia kind of took them to the woodshed because they had a bunch of guys injured? I don't. I mean, I think what we saw Saturday, if anything, proved like how narrow the gap is between success and failure in college football when you're not one of those elite five to 10 teams. Um, especially when you run an offense, when you run kind of a tempo spread offense like this, where you're, you're hoping to get a bunch of plays and you're throwing a lot of short passes. Um, and the passing game kind of, kind of dictates how explosive you can be. Obviously. I mean, the difference between, being good and completing the passes, getting yards after the catch and, and sustaining those drives versus going three and out in 20 seconds. It's a big difference and it doesn't take much. I mean, there, you know, you know, if that pass to, to, you know, um, Zacchaeus that gave us a 35, 28 lead, if that thing's a yard off, what happens? I mean, but it was perfect. So it's just, it just kind of restamped, you know, in my brain, the whole idea that, you can't figure anything out amongst the teams that aren't in that elite 10 and yeah. 10 might be stretching it. I, um, I, you know, it's funny. I, I made this point on the board the other day that like what, maybe, maybe 10 to 12. If we want to stretch it out to right there, that many teams are elite. Everybody else from like that point through like, I don't want to say all the way up to 120, but like it's, it, there's a very like large number of teams in a very kind of, contracted amount of space like everybody's just kind of jostling for position and everybody's just kind of the same and that's weird to think that like number 45 and number 90 could be literally like the same kind of team but that's kind of where you are parity kind of rules the day um you know i don't know i can't tell you 
for sure in, in my heart of hearts if I think that their injuries impacted it. But I do think that the biggest thing that Virginia had going was confidence. Even though maybe they didn't start, it wasn't the opening drive that, that, that put them there, but that, that opening defensive stand I thought was import, important. And then Virginia comes down and scores. Um, I, I think once they got that 99 yard drive, um, I think that was kind of the um, the thing that clicked and and probably gave them the, the the juice to be able to kind of come back. I think the other thing that's interesting about this and and Ferber and I kind of talked about this in the in the press box. Like there was a lot of time, like Virginia's up twenty eight nothing. That's all well and good. There was a lot of football to be played, and in order for Virginia to kind of hold that lead, it didn't necessarily mean they were choking. You know, it wasn't like they were. Uh, it wasn't a debacle, you know, like, okay, the pick six is not good, but I mean, look, kid made a, a great play, guy missed a block, he made the most of it, and, and, and that's that. Um, but it wasn't like, I, I didn't think that Virginia's defense was 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 sucking it up, I, I just think that there was a lot of time left, Central Michigan got back to kind of being who they were, the bigger point to me is that Virginia had the wherewithal to, to still fight through it, and, 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 and then the confidence to not only put three really good offensive possessions together but to put three really good defensive possessions together at the same time because how many times have you seen a virginia team well the offense really came to play today but the defense let them down and vice versa like usually these two hands cannot be on the same uh same page at all and they were in the in the time when they had to be and i think that piece uh is something they can carry forward uh Ferber, what were your kind of takeaways uh from this game what, what do you think kind of is a lasting impact uh, of saturday's result for the cavaliers yeah, it, we kind of talked about it after the game ended, but um, I think it's actually to their benefit that the game kind of went the way it went. Obviously, that stretch in the middle where they gave up 28 straight points um, is concerning. But like you said, I think it was more a collection of individual plays, not necessarily like a collapse. Um, it was just like they couldn't get anything on the offensive side of the ball to to keep the lead. Uh, that was the more concerning part to me. Um, I mean, those big plays are going to happen. And then obviously the offense gave up a touchdown of their own on the pick six. But, um, you know, we kind of talked about this, but I think it's almost better off that they gave up the lead and then had to kind of fight through some adversity to win rather than just kind of like crawling to the finish line after getting out to a big lead. Like, let's say, what if, you know, they made it 28-21 and then Central Michigan just like couldn't score and they win 28-21, but it's like they held on to win or, or they win late on a field goal or something. Um, I think this is better that they kind of were like, no, we can turn things around and get back to where we were in the first quarter and um, and show that we can still have explosive plays on offense and get stops. Um, so they kind of regathered themselves, and I think that's good for them because they can see that you know they can overcome adversity, they can overcome a bad drive, they can overcome a turnover. Um, and that's something that you need throughout the course of the season because even good teams have to deal with stuff like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Dave, what about you? What do you think the lasting kind of um, takeaway from this game is? It, is, is, it, is it a fluke? Is it something that you think that, that they've arrived? And I say that on purpose because Bronco, like, literally on contact, look, guys, we have not arrived. <laughs> he was quickly <laughs> trying to make sure that he was setting the expectations uh, where appropriately. But what do you think? What do you think the lasting impact of this game is? Granted, they're going to play another one, so that kind of gets wiped off the map. But what do you think, what do you think the takeaway is? I mean, I don't know what the lasting impact is. I think the takeaway for me um, is this Bronco and his staff have a plan in place for what a program is going to look like, and they're not going to deviate away from that plan, even if it means losing a game like we did last week. Um, 
And I say that because, you know, obviously we had some success this week, but there's one play in particular. I mean, Virginia, the last touchdown. Virginia's up two touchdowns, what, five minutes ago maybe when we get that ball back? And, I mean, do we run the clock out? No, they threw a swing pass to Smoke that he took 50 yards of the house. Like, that's their offense. That's how they're going to run it. doesn't matter score, situation. The team believing in itself enough to execute what they're believing is more important than that situation to him. Um, and I think that's something we're going to – that will help us long-term. It's great. It worked out. Um but it kind of it kind of hit me when he ran that play. Now he used to do that same stuff at BYU, um, you know, late in the game. It actually cost him when they were in Charlottesville. Um, but you know, it just kind of that was my takeaway. We've got to understand that the pro, what they what he believes, you know, how he's going to build this team, the beliefs they're going to build it on. That's how they're going to build it. And individual, you know, one game results aren't going to outweigh you know, the future of the program. Um, right. And then you add the fact that doesn't mean they're going to be like, this is how we're going to, this what play we're going to run. This is how we're going to be. But there's, you know, the offense, their air raid offense, that's what they were even late in the game. Um, but then you take situations like, you know, that whole two point conversion thing we came out with this week that we saw on tape at Oregon. So, you know, they're willing to adapt and change and, and give the team some confidence. Um, but the core beliefs aren't going to change. And, and that kind of spills over to the last thing I got, which Bronco mentioned in his post game. Um, sitting in the stands, there was that feeling of inevitability that Central Michigan was going to come back. I'm sure it was in the press box too. Oh yes, and it kind of smacked me in the face when he said that. Like, it's not just the team that needs to change; it's the fans that need to change. And he's so right because there wasn't a person sitting around me who thought for a second they weren't coming back. Well, it's funny. It's funny that he said that because remember, like not that long ago, we were joking. Well, we weren't necessarily joking, but we were talking about uh, among the three of us, like the idea that like to these guys, like maybe losing that game at UConn wasn't really that big a deal, you know, because they've they they've had so much success. But to fans and folks who you know, like it's a huge deal, like because they've been losing for so long, and, and certainly on the road, that like this is a this is like this is a lot. Um, and so I think that that was one of those times where Bronco kind of seemed to really appreciate, like, oh, that's what it's like. And and it's funny because I think he's been so focused on the team and getting them there that I don't I don't know if he's made that if he had made that connection with the fan base, you know, until he was in that in that position to understand, like, okay, this is this is this is what you guys were dealing with, like, because not only do the kids have those times where they, you know revert back or whatever but fans do too and it's going to take a while before that culture starts to take over um not just on the field but off the field as well um i I think the one thing that's a takeaway for me is this was in a lot of ways what we saw those first three practices we got to see like throwing the ball around the yard and like this is like i don't want to say like i expected virginia to score 49 points a game but i definitely expected them to do a lot more down the field right than they did in their first three games. Um, and that was just based off of what I saw in practice. I, you know, I saw Ben Kirk just chunking the, chunking the thing, just all, uh, everywhere, chunks of yards, chunks of yards. And now looking back on it, like it makes sense that it would take him a while to get there in an actual live game. Um, he made some comments today on the, te- on the um, offense teleconference about, you know, that, that you, have to, you not just have to get comfortable and, and have a rhythm with your receivers – 
But you also have to, as a quarterback, get a rhythm with your offensive line, and you have to have a feeling for like what they do well and where they might struggle. And it's just like any other portion of a team. And that's one thing I guess, I, I guess I intellectually understood, but have, like watching the replay now, you can see Ben Kirk reacting better. It's almost like his pocket presence, his pocket presence, uh, braiding on Madden just went up. You know, it's like it, it just magically fixed itself. Now, Virginia went from what? They gave up six sacks. Was it six sacks against Richmond? Some absurd number. They gave up six sacks, and then all of a sudden, they didn't, they're not giving up anything. They didn't have, they didn't have any, ta- any sacks, any tackles for loss uh, against Central Michigan. And, and that's a defense that had played pretty well, a defense that had played pretty well at Oklahoma State. So I kind of feel like my takeaway is that, like, yes, the offense that we saw in the preseason is there. It's just a, a question of being able to execute it. My other takeaway, I think, is that – there are going to be ebbs and flows. Like early in the season, you know, I wrote the whole thing. You know, I, I, I don't know who, if, which one of you guys I stole it from, but the idea about recalibration, right? But the thing I said at the time was like, there are going to be some highs and a lot of lows. Like they're, they're just, it's just going to be a bouncing back and forth kind of season. That game pers- is just the quintessential example of it, right? Like that's the way this season's going to be. And, and I kind of like cringe. There's a thread on the board, somebody talking about like, uh, I think it was Arden talking about like, Basically saying, like, I kind of feel like we're, we're, we're going to go on a run, you know? And that's great. Appreciate optimism. That's awesome. But you're setting yourself up for failure because this team is going to have some regressions and then they're going to have some progressions and it's going to be a back and forth. So anybody who thinks, like, hey, look, maybe they go down to Durham on Saturday and they just, and they just open it up again and you're like, oh, okay. And that's what they do. But I, I kind of feel like they're just going to be some ebbs and flows to the thing and everybody would be best served not having the expectation like, okay, they won a game, now they're going to win every game ever. Like, let's just dial it back a few notches. I think Broncos probably right. They haven't quite arrived. Let's let them do it like, I don't know, six times in a row before you get super-duper excited that they're going to do it six more times in a row. Like, let's, let, let's dial it back a little bit because there are going to be games just like that or, or game to game it's going to be like that where you have a high and you have a low and you have a high and you have a low. Um, but I still like the way that they keep improving. Like, the staff says on Monday, we're going to fix this, and then you go to the game and it gets fixed. Like we're gonna run the ball better, they run the ball better. We're gonna pre- we're gonna pass protect better, they they do it. You know we're we're gonna get after the quarterback, they do it. Now that the the focus has to be cutting down on big plays in the passing game, and clearly when you're facing a David Cutcliffe offense, especially um, with with the with the new with the new quarterback they've got, um, you, you're gonna have to. Um, and I guess now that w- that would be a nice little segue to talk about uh, Duke. Has anybody seen? Has anybody watched Duke this year other than me? Anybody watched the game? Yeah, I've, I've seen some now, game, but yeah, okay. Because yeah. like when I watched them play Wake, I got to be honest, I, I saw a team even then that I thought Virginia could beat. Like I really think that the Virginia team that lost to Richmond could have beat either the, both of those teams that day. Like they were both just garbage. Um, but it seems to me that the same thing that's kind of happened to Kirk Ben Kirk has kind of happened to Daniel Jones in the sense that like he's got a he's got some tools, and obviously Cutcliffe is known for what he does with offenses, so it makes sense that he would kind of catch on. I'm curious what the injury to Devon Edwards means for them um, defensively and whether or not it changes a whole lot, um, whether they, you know, are they able to kind of continue to rely on the people, other, other guys that they're relying on, do guys, the roles have to change. Um, that's something I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see. But um, having watched Duke a little bit, I just don't I, – I, watching them before that, the, the result at Notre Dame kind of surprised me. But then Notre Dame fires his defensive coordinator and like, oh, well, maybe they just sucked. Um, what do we think about Duke's offense, especially with um, fake David Jones, as, as Ferber's trying his best not this week not to call him? 
What do we think of Duke's offense, uh, at least at, at this point? What do you think about the matchup with Virginia's defense? Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. What, do you, what, do you, what, do, what are your vibes? What are, what's, the, what's that very trusted gut of yours telling you about this one? I think it's going to come down a lot to how um, Daniel Jones plays on Saturday because I think they have a pretty solid running game. Uh, they kind of have like a thunder-lightning thing with uh, Jayla Duncan and Sean Wilson, mm-hmm. um, guys that obviously we've seen a lot of over the years. But um, I think, you know, obviously they still – they don't have – you know, like Jameson Crowder's not there anymore, but they still have good wide receivers um, Anthony Nash is a big guy that can go up and get the ball and make big plays. He had two long touchdowns against Notre Dame. Uh, and then TJ Ramming is another guy. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a solid, uh, you know, slot guy kind of across the middle. So, I mean, he has some people he can throw to. It's just going to come down to can he get protected um, and can he avoid turnovers and then can he score in the red zone because – up until that Notre Dame game, that was a big thing. Is he, you know, he moved the ball, got down the field, didn't throw a lot of picks, but he was, uh, you know, I think he has three on the year, but uh, he wasn't scoring touchdowns. And then finally, they kind of had a breakthrough against the Irish and had three. So uh, it's going to come down to whether or not they can score through the air and how effective UVA's pass defense, which is obviously pretty banged up at this point, um, can do against uh, a Duke offense that's always going to be scheme smart and sound and uh, probably play pretty clean so uh, it's going to come down to execution from duke's quarterback i think and and obviously i think a big pass rush from from uva like we've seen in the last few weeks would be uh huge to getting this win yeah i kind of agree dave i'll get to you in a second i kind of think that when i when i look at at that at, at at duke's offense i see some talented wide receivers um the i remember the the raming kid i think like lit him up uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken, um, then the Nash kid is just really good. And you're right; they got a nice little combo uh, of running backs. Um, and, and I think the Jones kid, in, in talking to, to 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 folks about him, it certainly sounds like he has a higher ceiling than Thomas Sirk had. So it's funny how like people around the Duke program, because I talked to Brian McLawhorn, who is the uh, publisher of our our Duke site. He's like, listen, like no disrespect to Thomas Sirk, but this kid's really good. He's got a lot more. Uh, potential than than Thomas Sirkat, especially when it comes to throwing the ball downfield. And I wonder if that that piece of it is is going to be um, you know kind of be kind of be the difference maker. I mean, Virginia has has given up a lot of big plays in the passing game this 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 year so far. And this week, Broncos, I, I, if I have to like pick one, you know, the one thing that they say they're going to fix, it would it would probably be giving up big plays downfield. Now, if Thornhill is available. I think that probably makes things a little easier. The bigger problem is communication in the secondary hasn't been very good. And even in this game last weekend, that was the thing that bit them a couple times, just, you know, big plays in the passing game. Um, But my other thing is, like, Duke usually has an offensive line full of seniors. And they they have a couple on the right side of the line. But they've got some young guys, a redshirt sophomore and a pair of redshirt juniors on on the center and left. And I wonder if that's something Virginia can kind of exploit. And that's not to say that any of those guys are not very good. I mean, they're, you know, you know, they're, they're guys that in a system that they've, they've all redshirted and, you know, they're, they're further down the line of their development. But, you know, 6'6", 285, 6'3", like there's not a great deal of size along with that lack of maybe potential lack of experience. Um, and I know Duke's sustained some serious uh, injuries on the offensive line. I just think that, Virginia's done a really good job of creating pressure 
lately. And I, this Central Michigan offensive line was really – I thought was really strong. Maybe not like, you know, you know, Alabama recruits or anything. But, like, they were, you know, they were experienced and big and they moved well and, and certainly fit a scheme. So I, I'm interested to see how Andrew Brown – one, how Duke deals with Andrew Brown, and then, two, how Virginia plays off of that um, and what kind of pressure Bronco feels comfortable bringing – Dave, what about you? What do you, what do you see in this matchup between Duke's offense and Virginia's defense? I mean, I think you know, not to be captain obvious. I think stopping the run is going to be the number one thing for Virginia, especially stopping the run with you know the three down linemen and and one linebacker, so you don't have to to bring a middle linebacker in or run blitz because that's when you know Duke can pick you apart. Um, you know, Duke's got you know several options, you know, several good running backs. Um, and what I've seen from Jones is when he's got that play action threat, he's obviously a much better quarterback as most are. So I think eliminating that without having to bring run pressure makes Virginia a better team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that said, I mean, when you start looking at who we've played compared to this offense, I don't know where it ranks. Like the offense I saw against Notre Dame, it might be this one, you know, the second best offense we've seen. Um, the offense I saw against Northwestern in Wake. I don't know, and I'm sure Duke's thinking the same thing watching Virginia film. So it's you know, it's not a it, thing for Virginia. You know, limiting big plays, obviously, um, making them work because Jones has turned the ball over a few times. Um, what is he? Five touchdowns, three interceptions for the year, something like that. Um, right. But he's you know so he he has shown he will turn the ball over. So it's just a matter of keeping the ball ball in front. But I mean, I think. You know, Rush certainly has more experience than, than Jones does. And all in all, I thought Virginia did a pretty good job containing him. I mean, you know, if we'd have told, you know, holding them, holding Central Michigan to three touchdowns when you're starting, you know, we talked about the defense going into the season. We were thinking Thornhill, Harris, Malcolm Cook. I mean, none of them played in this game, essentially. Um, and, you know, for the most part, Virginia held the offense to 21 points, so that's pretty good. I think Virginia's defense has been getting better. Um, I thought Quinn had a really good game Saturday, um, compared, especially when compared to what he had played beforehand. Um, and it's just the nature of the game now when you've got so many guys that can, you know, when you've got so many teams that are throwing the ball around, so many good quarterbacks um, that we faced at least, you know, you're going to get burned on occasion. So, like I said, I think stopping the running game so that you can – you can be a little more exotic in your pass coverage and, and blitz packages on passing downs will go a long way. Yeah. The other thing that, I, that's revolutionary football thought there. <laughs> the other thing that's worth mentioning here is that keep an eye on the tight ends. Um, Duke has, they, they list four tight ends, two guys and then a couple oars. but Eric Schneider, Daniel Helm and uh, Davis Coffinhaber, um really, you know, six four, six six seven, six four, six four, all two thirty, two forty. Um, I feel like every time I, I cover a game where Duke's playing, the tight the Titans always make plays, and that was one thing that 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 Central Michigan did have some success with, and that'll be interesting to see how Cutcliffe moves that chess piece. And I, I just kind of feel like Virginia, it's going to be important for them to, to to defend downfield. Don't get me wrong, but I, that the tight end could have. If you think about it, Virginia had a lot of success against Western Michigan and, and, and to some extent UConn too because they just weren't able to – those offenses just weren't able to stay on the field. The, the defense was really doing a good job of on third down. Tight ends to me are – they're made for third down. Like, oh, you need to go get five yards, I got you. 
Like that, that's going to be a, an important matchup. Now, defensively, they're going to lose Devon uh, Edwards, who was their rover. Um, Duke plays a, a four-two-five uh, with a pair of cornerbacks, three safeties, and one of the safeties kind of just is. I don't want to say he's like all over the place, but he's kind of all over the place. And so Edwards was that guy. Uh, he's no longer that guy because he tore his ACL and he's out for the, forever um, in terms of a Duke uniform. Sad. Wow, that sounded really harsh. Sorry. Um, his his career at Duke is at least, is at least over. Um, they they're going to start Alonzo Saxton the second, um, which is a great name, uh, Alonzo Saxton the second, five eleven one hundred eighty pound junior, um, and then I guess uh, Dylan Singleton is DeAndre Singleton's younger brother, um, considering they're like exactly the same size and whatnot. But anyway, um, so I, I, I'm interested to see what the injury to Edwards does to Duke's secondary and if. Not having him create some confusion with guys who, who haven't played as much. Um, and I think that's something Virginia has to really attack. For the second week in a row, the other team's best safety is not going to be on the field. And we saw what they were able to do against Central Michigan. Um, clearly, that's gotta, they're going to have to continue to go downfield. But, but even better than that is if you look at some of the, the numbers that Duke has, has put up at, from its defensive line, you're going to have to protect the quarterback. You're going to have to run the ball well. Um, Ferber, what are, you, what are you feeling like this matchup between Duke's defense and Virginia's offense? Do you feel like the Cavaliers can keep that momentum going, or is this one going to be a much tougher road to hoe? I think it'll be tougher, but I do think that they can, they're can. they going to be able to get some things. Uh, I think that they the running game might be able to do okay against Duke's front. Um, obviously, most of their playmakers are in the secondary on the defense. So, uh, obviously, even without Edwards – and, and Edwards is a big loss, and he's even you know a big loss in special teams just because of his ability as a kick and punt returner. Um, but you know, Breon Borders is a very good cornerback. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Singleton already. Uh, he's he's a very solid player at safety. So uh, I think a more talented group than what they saw against Central Michigan. And Central Michigan had some pretty good uh, defensive backs. Uh, one was obviously out, but um, I think that they'll be able to score and move the ball. It's just, you know, how efficient they are, like, you know, once they get on the Duke side of the field and, and you know, can they avoid turnovers. And like we kind of talked about on Saturday, it's uh, the offense seems to, like when they can really get clicking with complete passes, they're really clicking and they're really hard to stop. But when they're not, like when, uh, you know, if they have a tough start to a drive or a penalty or any type of situation that puts them in, you know, third and longs and stuff like that, it seems like they get bogged down and that kind of trick, you know, can carry over to the next drive or two, three, four drives. Um, and I think we saw that in the, you know, late second quarter and the third quarter on Saturday. So it's going to come down to how consistent the offense can be against Duke's defense, which is obviously seeing a lot of game experience. Uh, they have a lot of experienced guys, so they'll be ready for anything that UVA throws at them, I'm sure. Dave, what do you think? How are you feeling about UVA's uh, offense against this uh, this four two five that that the Blue Devils run? If we get the one we saw for thirty minute, you know, for the good thirty minutes Saturday, I feel really good about it. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of Duke's defense, just like their offense. Um, if you know, against Wake Forest and Northwestern, they were kind of they were okay. Um, it's weird to I me. Mean, I think you know you could say prior to. Prior to Saturday's game, the defense was was better than the offense for Duke. Um, certainly, losing Edwards is going to hurt. It's hard to replace someone of his caliber in one week, especially against you know 
a quarterback who's got potential you know, and played well like Binker did last week. Um, you know, it's a lot of Virginia success the last couple, well, sorry, you know, especially last week. But even with Connecticut, I mean, not not having not having a lot of pressure on Binker, you know, gives him more time to to make decisions. Um, and Lord knows Duke can get after the quarterback. So it's I don't know. I, it's I it's such a big question mark because I don't know what the Virginia offense is. I don't. Is it what we saw a good point Saturday? Is it what we saw during that thirty minutes of not good on Saturday? Is it what we saw against UConn? Um, I, I do like our running backs in this matchup. I think someone brought it up on the board, which kind of ticked me off because I thought I'd figured it out. Um, but, you know, if the offensive line can't stop their blitz packages and we have to keep our big back end to block, that certainly limits the the offensive weapons Virginia has. So, you know, the offensive line is going to be key. The scheme is going to be key. And taking advantage of their aggressiveness um, – you know, with some, with some quick action, some, some kind of surprising screen calls, that kind of thing. Uh, I just used the word screen pass, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think Virginia can do well. But it, it's a, I think it's a good defense. I think it's better than what I saw against Wake Forest. Um, I mean, they gave up what twenty four points to Wake Forest, I think. But shockingly, that's like Wake Forest has scored in the thirties the last two weeks, and maybe that wasn't horrible. So I don't know. It's a, it's. Duke is, if there's a confusing team on our schedule, you know, a team on our schedule that's has been an enigma as much as Virginia has so far, it would be Duke. Um, that's surprising truth. That the thing, the thing about Virginia's offense, you're, you're you seem to be a little bit worried about sustainability, and and that makes sense. I mean, I I think execution is going to be, um, um, you know, in, in a potential issue as they go forward. I think in this game, though, if you think about like. When you watched when you watched Virginia have success Saturday, it wasn't necessarily that it was like huge play and that was it. It was several of those drives. Like granted, the, the eighty two or the fifty three, but the other like that's two of the seven. Like the the other ones were were very methodical, and you could see like for this this is the first time that you could see route concepts and things just making sense off of each other. This is the first time I can remember seeing uh, Mizell and Zacchaeus lined up next to each other. On the on split to one side of the field, and Virginia being able to do something off of it, um, I kind of feel like that is who they want to be. Now, can they be that consistently? I think it, it comes down to avoiding the drive killing plays, holds, what, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I just think Ferber made did a really good job with the five to watch because Breon Borders um, is going to be a problem because if there's one thing I would I would critique Kurt Benkirk on so far is that he has a tendency to throw a pass that he's been looking down and you just can't do that with a guy like Borders and as much as as much as a lot of the routes that he throws are are strong routes um I kind of feel like that's going to be something he's going to have to be mindful of. He's got to work through his progressions, and he's got to not lock in on receivers cuz the this this kid and and feels too to, to that extent. They will make you pay. Um Let's let's get into some predictions. Um, who wants to start? Don't everybody don't sure. everybody go. Away. I'll go. I'll go. Sure. <laughs> what um, do I have in the preseason, Brad? <laughs> in the preseason, Dave, you had Virginia uh, winning this game thirty-seven to thirty-four. What say you? You know, I kind of like that. I mean, I think the the over under sixty-one. I think that might be a little light given given the recent you know. Given the way these offensive looked last week, um, 
you know, at some point Virginia's going to win a game on the road. Um, I think it's going to happen this year. When I look at the schedule, this is the one right now I think is most likely to happen. You've got a team with a little bit of, you know, I wouldn't say a little bit of confidence, probably the most confidence they've had all year. Sounds like they practice well. Um, you know, the defense is coming around. I, mean, I still think Duke's going to score. Um, obviously, if I'm, I'm going to keep it 37, 34 Virginia. I think what we saw last week from the offense is not going to be a fluke. It's going to kind of be what we see going forward. And I think the defense will come around eventually, and will come around enough on Saturday to to get that monkey off our back. 37, 34, huh? Yeah, man. Like All it. right, take the over. <laughs> um, all right, Ferber, in the preseason, you had uh, Virginia winning this game 34-28. What say you? Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Um, it's really, like Dave said, it's kind of close to what I still think. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun game. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of points, a lot of scoring. It'll be probably one of the better games in that time slot, I think. Uh, I think Duke ends up winning um, a close game, 31-27. Uh, is what I'll go with. Um, I think UVA has a, a decent chance to get this done. Um, in my mind, I'd say it's somewhere in the 40s, uh, you know, 45 to 50%. Um, but I think this Duke team, from what I saw against Notre Dame anyway, I think that they are uh, decent. I think they're better than what they showed against Wake and uh, Northwestern. I mean, obviously, UVA fans would probably think the same about how UVA played against Connecticut and Richmond. So, um, I think that at home, I mean, obviously UVA hasn't had a lot of success at Wallace Wade, you know, in particular, uh, in, in addition to their road woes in general. But um, I think Cutcliffe will have his team ready to play. Um, I think, like I said, I think UVA has a chance to win, but um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think they're going to see a team that's more prepared after watching the Central Michigan film than maybe Central Michigan was for, for what UVA is going to run. And um, I think Duke ends up getting it done. All right. In the preseason, I had this one 31-18 UVA. And it's funny because like, the first time I saw that number, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to stick with it. And then I was like, that's kind of crazy. Um, uh, to a team that hasn't won on the road uh, since 2012, going to win about 13 on the road. But, you know, at the same time, I look at this game and I think, you know how at the end of the, end of the, end of the Central Michigan game, Bron- Bronco Mendenhall, just said, he said this after the game, that, that there were a couple calls. Um, there were some calls that he put in late that he hadn't they hadn't run in the earlier parts, portion of the game. And and clearly the team responded and, and executed. And I wonder if they're kind of at that point now where they can start to kind of shoulder more of the load, so to speak, in terms of the uh, of the playbook on both sides of the ball. And I and I and so like I started thinking about that and I thought, okay, this can go one of two ways, right? Either it's good because they're they're gonna be able to execute it or they're screwing up they're screwing with something that seemed to work and 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 they're not. The thing that I keep coming back to is is that the defense the defense is pretty good at taking away the running game. And with Duke, historically, it's been the quarterback run that's really messed them up, right? Uh, or messed, you know, messed, messed your, your chances of winning up. Because Duke's, Duke's always been able to, to move the chains, either you know, finding the tight end or, or getting something on the ground. They get, to, you know, they, they, they get the, the, the big quarterback package in and they run. That's not to say that I don't expect, um, you know, if, I don't know if Parker – uh, Boehm comes in anymore for that or or if they have kind of abandoned some of that but I do think though that Virginia's defense can can handle the run game 
Um, the question is going to be whether or not they can cut down on the big passes, and I think it's going to be kind of a, an incomplete in the sense that I think there are going to be times when they do and times when they don't because I think that's just the, the quality of coach that Cutcliffe is, and I think the Jones kid does have some – um, some potential and he's six five. He's got a good arm. I mean, you know, he's gonna he's gonna find spots. I, I kind of looked at it similar to what you guys did in the in the in the sense of a kind of a back and forth game. It does kind of feel like that. It definitely also feels like to me one that Virginia certainly can win. I said last week. I, I said this on radio in like three, three different cities. Like it was a game. Uh, Virginia was in a point where I was. They had to show me before I could pick them. But I would not be surprised if they won. I did not expect them to put 49 up. I don't expect them to do that in Wallace Wade. But I do think uh, the Cavaliers find a way to get it done, mainly because I think that that injury uh, to Edwards is a, is a really Im- impactful one. Um, he was their best defensive player. And their special teams unit, look, I understand um, Sean Wilson is really good. And he may come out and you know make everybody forget about Devon Edwards kind of like you know he did last week with a big return. But I just kind of feel like – that is going to mess with their at least it, it maybe it necessarily doesn't lead to like a, a whole you know a huge amount of points, but I do think it's going to mess with that defense's rhythm, and I don't know if um, offensively um, we've even seen like like I said Virginia left a lot of plays on the field in the middle of that game, and I didn't think they were lucking out in, in a lot of the, the ways that they were scoring points. I just kind of feel like Virginia's offense is really kind of hit its stride, and that defense is not going to be enough to kind of get it done. So I am going to amend my earlier pick, but I'm going to stick with UVA winning it. Uh, I'm going to take the Cavaliers 31 to 27. Um, so basically, Ferber and I have the same score, which is different teams winning. Um, that'll, that'll be fun when we do the preview. Cause, cause <laughs> yeah, I'll let you go ahead and pick yours. <laughs> you know what? You're the, you're the publisher. It's your call. What did we do last week? What did I, what did, I, did I stick with your pick last week? Well, we both picked Central Michigan, so I think uh, it was the score thing. Yeah, did I stick with your score or my score? I, I'm sure I stick with, I stuck with one of them. Uh, well, we were both wrong, so right. But but <laughs> but I like to keep consistency. You well, know? At least one of us will be right this week. So That's we'll true. See. That's true. I'm wrong. Unless unless uh, unless maybe I can catch up with me. Unless they finish up <laughs> with a tie. Um, I, I think I'm a whopping two and two. <laughs> whopping. <laughs> well, you only had Virginia going seven and five, Dave. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one, yeah, after this game, you had them 4-1. and one. Until they lose six, I still got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, last quick thing before we, we wrap up. Uh, I did want to uh, touch on um, the rest of the ACC and get just like a really quick kind of viewpoint in terms of Virginia's schedule. The Pitt game looks win- more winnable. The Carolina game looks about as dreadful as I thought. The Louisville game looks much more dreadful than I thought. God, I only had them winning that game by 13. Wake Forest definitely looks winnable. Um, I have not seen much of any Miami yet. Uh, Georgia Tech definitely looks winnable. And I'm not sure what the hell to make of Virginia Tech right now, um, quite honestly. I mean, they, they, the offense looks really good. I just don't know, have they, have they played anybody who, who can consistently be good? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, what do you guys think about the rest of Virginia's schedule, at least as of now? Is it how, how do you feel like it's shaping up? I, I kind of agree with what you said for the most part. Uh, Wake is 4-0, and though. so I don't care. I, mean, I watched that team. That team was bad. I don't care. And plus, uh, Hinton got hurt? Like, nah. Gonna, maybe maybe they beat Virginia in, 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 in the dash, but I don't – I mean, whoa. Um, Louisville is going to be bad. It bad. Um, whoa, bad. Whoa, bad. Really, really bad. But uh, – yeah, so we can just forget about that one. Uh, Pitt, 
I don't know what I mean. They, they lost to North Carolina, but they didn't play really bad. Um, they they beat Pitt or they beat Penn State, but Penn State looks like a train wreck. Yeah, they really are. Um, train wreck. They lost to Oklahoma State. No harm in that. Um, North Carolina, I think they're pretty much what we thought they would be, or at least what I thought they would be. Pretty good. Uh, Trubisky can play. So, um, who else did they have besides Georgia Tech? Looked really good against Vanderbilt. Um, not sure what that means. Didn't look very good against Clemson. That might not mean much either. So, um, Bronco obviously has a history of success against that program, but um, again, it, it is a road game. So, right. my, Miami looks better than I thought. Um, they look solid, uh, and Virginia Tech looks better than I thought the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, they lost to Tennessee. Tennessee's good, so I don't think that really means a whole yeah, but lot. I just don't know how consistent. Like, I just don't know. But I also think I also think ECU and Boston College are pretty bad. So yeah, Dave, what we'll about see. you? What do you think? I think that's going to be a tough one. What do you think of the rest of their schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are right. I mean, it is a brutal time to have Louisville as your crossover opponent, um, especially when you look down the road and they got Boston College somehow. Um, it's going to be two years of brutality facing Jackson. Um, I am interested, you know, maybe there's a chance Clemson goes in there, you know, Clemson this weekend spanks them pretty bad or something. And they're not quite the juggernaut by the time, by the time we face them. But, um, I don't know. It's a tough team. I think Carolina's right on the borderline of being one of those elite 10. Uh, I hate to say that, but when they're, when they're, I just don't think their their defense is, I just don't think their defense is good enough for that. I just no, I, they they can't they, they don't have any balance you know yeah I mean offensively they are it's, it's yeah they're their good defense is holding them back yeah they're good um, and yeah I think Greg Pitt it just depends on which Pitt team you get I mean I think Pitt has the potential but you know, playing the style they do um, you know if you've got an explosive offense you can certainly make it up in a hurry um, if you had to rank the winnable games I'd say you know I don't know Duke or Wake Forest would probably be one or two. You know, in the remaining games, I thought were easy. Yeah, the most winnable. Um, and then Georgia Tech would be right behind them. And then I don't know who the next one would be. I I don't know what to make of Miami because they haven't. I mean, they they made mincemeat of Appalachian State, who I think is a pretty good team. Um, I don't know. There, I think Miami's probably the biggest question mark. I kind of know what the rest of them are. Right. Well, it should be a, um, an interesting couple of weeks. Virginia will obviously play this one, and then they get a bye week before they get the three-game homestand uh, against Pitt, U, UNC, and, and Louisville. Um, God, what a hell of a way to end the homestand. Uh, you get Lamar Jackson, and then you get to go to uh, Winston-Salem. Anyway, I uh, want to thank everybody out there for giving us a listen. As always, want to thank you guys for being on the show. Um, for David Spence, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.